You know, it's funny. Sometimes uh, we do those, have you stand up and say hi to someone around you. And I'm sorry for those of you who absolutely hate that part of the service. I apologize. But, um, you know, sometimes everyone just shakes hands and sits right back down. But you guys are excited. Summertime is here. Um, and I tell you, I am extremely excited about, about the message today. If you haven't been here in a few weeks, or maybe this is your first time here at Grace, um, let me just kind of catch you up on, on what's going on. We just finished a series called The Jesus Files. It was a six-week series. We went through the first 12 chapters of the Gospel of John. And uh, we're starting a new series today. It's a five-week series. And uh, it's, it's kind of like the sequel. So it's The Jesus Files Part 2. But there's, there's special emphasis here because it's, it's Jesus' final week on earth. So I don't know if you've ever seen you know, a really great movie and then the sequel comes out and it's just horrible. You know, like, I mean, think about Caddyshack. And then, can you believe they made it Caddyshack 2? I mean, that was like one of the worst movies of all time. It was Speed, right? Keanu Reeves, The Bus. And then they did like Speed 2 on a boat or something. Like, that was just terrible. So, you know, the Blues Brothers, you know, and then Blues Brothers 2000. I mean, there's, there's all these horrible sequels out there. And what I'm assuring you today is that I actually think that part two of the Jesus Files, where we start in on John chapter 13, is going to be even better than what we've had before. And here's why. You see, John chapter 1 through 12, that covers Jesus' entire ministry. Okay, that's like over a three-year period. It gets through Jesus' whole life and all the different things that he was doing. But then starting at John 13 and the next several chapters beyond, like going into John 18, are one single night. One night. It's very focused. It's Jesus with his disciples, and he's giving them kind of his final instructions. So it's kind of this idea, I think, as I start to read this story. I don't know if you're like me, if you were like kind of a slacker at heart. Any slackers at heart here? Like in high school, like, <laughs> no. And <laughs> in high school, um, you know, I had to take all those literature classes and everything and, like, reading the great classic novels. No offense if you love the classics, but, like, I was going after those cliff notes. Like, just as soon as I could get my hands on them, right? And for, so part of me thinks that, in a sense, this is, like, kind of like the cliff notes version, if you will. If you're like, oh, man, I can't think about reading all these huge chunks of Scripture. John 13 through 17, these great chapters, it's like Jesus last night. It's, like, it's almost like he's saying to his disciples, if you forget everything else, if you forget everything else that I've told you over the last three years, like, just don't forget this. Which kind of reminds me of, um, of um, something that happens at, at my house. Uh, Becky and I, we, we just had our, uh, our third child about two weeks ago. And so, yeah, thank you. I, I really, I didn't have much to do with it. So, um, you know, don't clap for me. Uh, anyway, but Becky and I, you know, even though we have three kids, and a lot of you guys without kids are thinking, man, they're totally lame. You know, we actually, we have these like super hot dates that we go on. Like we are, we just tear up the town. Okay. And so we'll go out and babysitters will come over to watch the kids. And if we have a brand new babysitter that comes to our house, we have this like huge checklist of things that we have to run through because our kids are real small. And so, you know, my wife actually will type, Becky will type on the computer, like the checklist. It's, I give her a really hard time about it. Because uh, for me, it's pretty simple. You're here, great, I'm out. That's kind of how it works for me. So, um, 
But anyway, she's got this huge laundry list, and it's like, okay, here's like every item in the house and where it is, you know? Here, here's exactly when they need to eat. Here's the scenario if they won't eat this. Here's what you need to do. You know, here's what time they need the bath. Here's, here's the stories they like to read at bedtime. Here's their routine. You know, the, I mean, just everything you could possibly think of, right? She kind of runs through that checklist. Well, we finally hit the door. And, you know, we're always running late. So, so we, we hit the door. We're ready to go, you know. And I'm excited. And I'm pulling around. Come on, let's go, let's go. So we, we're, we hit the door. We walk out the door. My wife turns back around. Okay? And this is like the final instruction. This is the moment where it's like, okay, if the babysitter forgets everything else, okay, and here it comes. There's three things. She goes, okay, you got our cell phone numbers, right? Babysitter says, yeah, okay. Now, if they completely freak out, like if they completely melt down, if everything goes to hell in a handbasket, okay, you know how to turn on the TV, right? Okay, <laughs> just turn it on, leave it on. Just, just, it's okay. If the kids are still awake, just, just leave the TV on. And you know where the brownies and the M&M, like just, just give them as much chocolate, you know, keep the TV on and we'll be back. We're going out. Okay. And that's like, man, if you, that's kind of my basic instruction. Actually, that's all I tell the babysitter. I'm like, here's the magic box, you know, and here's the, here's the chocolate. They'll be fine. So, so anyway, here we go. Uh, Let's jump in. John chapter 13. And uh, I always encourage you to get in the habit of bringing your Bibles. I think this will help you just to get in that habit, to get in the habit of being familiar with your Bible. If you don't have one, we have some free Bibles around the corner. But I just, I just think it's a good practice to get into. I think it will help you. So we're in John chapter 13. We're going to start uh, right from the top in verse 1. If you don't have your Bible, we have uh, an outline in your, on the back of your bulletin. And we also have the words up on the screen. So let's jump on in. It says, It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. So what it tells us is Jesus knew. Jesus knew what was about to happen. He knows this is his last night with his disciples. So here we go. Verse 2, the evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now, I want you to imagine with me for a minute What's going on in the minds of his disciples? Okay, here is Jesus. Okay, they have been walking with Jesus for the last three years of ministry. Okay, so they have been witness to some pretty amazing stuff, right? They've seen Jesus turn water into wine. They've seen Jesus take a couple of fish and a couple pieces of bread and feed thousands and thousands of people. They've been out on a boat And they've seen Jesus come walking across the water to them. They've seen him heal countless numbers of people. They've seen him raise Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus was dead four days in the grave. They've seen him raise a man from the dead. And it says in the scriptures that everywhere Jesus went, when he would teach, he would teach with such authority that the crowds, like everyone who heard him, would just be in awe of the way he taught. So here is like the living legend, their master teacher, the 
the one who calls himself the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And here he is taking off his outer garments, taking on like the form of a servant, taking a towel and kneeling down at their feet and one by one beginning to wash their feet. Now, this, this, kind of, this foot washing deal, this was a very common practice in Jesus' day. And it kind of makes sense if you think about it because back then, 2,000 years ago, they didn't have any sort of paved roads. They didn't have you know, Nikes and Adidas and all those kinds of great things that we have today. They were walking around either barefoot or in sandals, and they're walking around in dirt roads and dirt trails, right? And so as they would walk from place to place, the other thing is they don't have any, you know, they, they got really no sanitation techniques, no, no indoor plumbing. You t- catch what I'm saying. You don't know what kind of stuff you might be stepping on. So when you would travel and you had to walk, when you would travel to someone's house, what would happen is when you got to that person's house, they would have like a place where you could wash your feet. And if the person was, was well-to-do enough to have a servant in their house, then as a sign of hospitality, the host would say, you know what, I'm not going to do this task because it's kind of an inferior task. I mean, it's like washing the nasty muck off your feet. But, you know, I'm going to allow my servant to do that just to kind of welcome you. To, it's, a, it's a sign of service. It's a sign of welcome. It's a sign of love. It's a sign of respect to, to the person coming in. So here's Jesus And he's doing that task. Now, I don't know if there's any of you out there that just even the talk about bare feet just kind of already turns you. Uh, We have a certain someone on our staff, and I'm I'm not going to mention who she is. Uh, She directs our kids' ministry. But, um, like, feet, like, her and bare feet, like, you know, she, she just has a thing. She doesn't like the bare feet. And what's really great is that Josh, you guys all know and love Josh, uh, our missions guy, he loves to wear sandals. He loves to keep the bare feet, you know, nice and aired out. And so, you know, we were on a retreat, actually, in, in the wintertime, and he, it's snowing, and he still got to, I'm not kidding, he had the flip-flops on walking through this retreat center. So he's crazy. He, and, and so we'll be in staff meeting. We're all sitting around, and, uh, and, and like, he will literally, like, kind of, you know, just relax and, and put the feet right up on the coffee table in the, in the church office. And, man, it just freaks Brent, I didn't, wasn't going to say her name. It freaks, it freaks her out, man, you know. So if you're here and you already don't like feet, okay, uh, you just got to bear with me here. But here's Jesus, and he's like washing the nasty muck and grime off of people's feet who've been like walking all day long, okay. And you can only imagine what the disciples were thinking as, as their master teacher was, was kneeling down washing their feet. And we don't get a picture of any of the disciples except for one. And that's Peter. Let's look, what, let's look what Peter says. It says in verse 6, uh, Jesus came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later on you'll understand. <laughs> no, no, said Peter. You shall never wash my feet, Jesus. You see, Peter, Peter absolutely cannot handle it. Peter's thinking, there is no way. I'm not even worthy to tie the shoes of Jesus' feet. There is no way that Jesus Christ, our our Savior, the Christ, is going to wash my feet. I'm not having it. Never, Jesus. you got to love Peter. So impulsive, so emotional, just says whatever's on his mind. You know people like that? You sitting next to someone like that? You know what I mean? Just like, he he just says whatever's on his mind. It's beautiful. 
And let's look at Jesus' response, okay? Now you got to remember, Jesus knows this is his last night. This is like his final, if you forget everything else, you got to remember this. He is really serious. He's locked and loaded. And this is what he responds to Peter. He says, he says Peter, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. It's like Jesus saying, look, dude, you don't understand what's about to happen here, but you've got to get this. And so he's like, I'm not messing around. I'm not playing here, Peter. Sit back down in your chair. I'm going to wash your feet. Okay, I mean, that's kind of that's kind of what's happening. I have to do this. You're you're not going to get this now. Later on, this will this will resonate with you. This will stick with you for the rest of your life. Look at Peter, what Peter says back. He sits back down. I'm thinking it says in verse nine, he says, then, Lord, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. I mean, I can almost picture Peter like starting to take his clothes off, you know, just wash my whole body. Jesus, you know, I'm with you. We're tight. You know, like I'm with you till the end. I'm committed. You know, sign me up, Jesus. If this is what it takes, if if this is how I show you that I'm with you, like here I am getting naked, Jesus. You just washed me down. (laughs) Jesus answered. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. (laughs) Jesus answered. A person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. It's like, Peter, keep your clothes on, dude. I'm just here to wash your feet. Just trying to make a point. Settle down. Relax. Okay, you're going to get this in a minute. You're not going to get it now. You'll get it later. So we presume that then he, he finishes, washes everyone's feet. We get to verse 12. It says, when he'd finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. So Jesus sits back down at the table and looks his disciples in the eyes and he says, you guys get this? Do you you understand what I did? Do you understand why I did this? Now, we pick up something really important here from the, the gospel writer Luke, from his account of what's going on in the story. Luke gives us a key piece of information that while all this was going on, like, well, as the, I don't know what point in the evening it was, but at some point what Luke tells us is that this argument broke out between the disciples about who was going to be the greatest disciple. Who was going to be the greatest disciple? And so here's Jesus. He comes back to the table. He says, do you guys get it? You guys who are arguing about who's going to be the greatest disciple? Listen, guys. Listen up. You've been walking with me for the last three years, okay? And over and over, what I've been demonstrating is that I'm here to serve others, right? That's, that's the whole reason that I came, guys. That's what, that's what Jesus is essentially conveying this message. And you remember, over and over, what were the crowds trying to do when they saw Jesus do all this awesome stuff? They were trying to raise him up. They were trying to make him king, right? And he said, no, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve so it's like in this final point here jesus is saying guys if you forget everything else don't ever forget that the whole reason that i came to this earth was to serve other people to humbly serve 
So if you're my followers, if you want to know what God's will is for your life, okay, you have to realize you got to check your attitude. You got to realize that if I, your Lord and teacher, which were esteemed, reverent terms in those days, okay, if I am able to kneel down and wash your feet, you can do the same thing, guys. See, what Jesus is, is kind of thinking through, I, I think, in his mind, is he's realizing that he's about to be crucified and resurrected, right? And this whole movement of Christianity is about to explode and take off. Well, who do you think those, those obvious choice for leaders would be in, in the new church? It's going to be the guys who walked with him, right? I mean, all these disciples. And so he's saying, nah, don't argue about who's going to be the greatest. Never forget. Never forget that you've got to put that towel on, that servant's towel on. Always have a heart of humility. You are here to serve God by serving others. That's what you will do for the rest of your life. That is how the kingdom of God truly advances. It's not by worrying about who's great. That's not how the kingdom works. The kingdom works by having a heart of a servant. That is what Jesus is conveying there as he washes their feet and says, I've set you an example. You do the same thing for one another. So, you know, that, that clearly speaks through this passage. But as I was kind of looking at John chapter 13 in its entirety, looking at this whole story, there was something that I realized, some, some other information, some other stuff that's going on there in the story, and many of you are familiar with this story, and maybe you've already pieced this together, but I hadn't, okay? There was something else that I noticed that rocked my world this past week as I was looking at this passage. You see, in the midst of washing his disciples' feet, you have to realize that if you look a little bit further on in the passage in John chapter 13, what Jesus says next is, hey guys, you know what? And I got to tell you that one of you here is going to betray me. One of you is going to turn me in and is going to get me killed. Okay? So here's the thing. Jesus is telling, and it ultimately is who? Judas. Judas Iscariot. So he already knows that. And then if you go to the very end of the chapter... John chapter 13, what we see is he also, here's Jesus, you know, I'm Mr. Committed, I'm about to you know, wash my whole body, Jesus, I'm with you, I'm with you. And Peter, he, Jesus says to Peter, you don't know this, but this very night you're going to deny me three times. So among the 12, he's got one who's going to outright betray him, who's going to cross him. He's got another one who's going to deny him three times. And guess what? You know what else Jesus knows? The other disciples, as soon as he gets arrested, do they, like, come trying to, trying to rescue him? No, no, I mean, that's omitted in the scriptures, I guess. But, you know, no, they totally scatter. They're, they're gone, man. There's only one disciple at the foot of the cross. One. So here's what just blew my mind, you guys. Listen to this. Think about this. As Jesus is washing his disciples' feet, as he has taken the form of a servant, he's kneeling down, washing the muck and filth off their feet. You know what else he knows as he looks into their eyes? That they're all going to bail out on him. That's, that's amazing. I mean, it was already a cool story, but the fact that he already knew what they were going to do I mean, you talk about a picture of God. Now, I just want to take a time out for a second and say this. Uh, I know that there are a lot of us here at Grace who haven't yet figured out uh, who Jesus really is. Like, you're still wrestling with, okay, you know, is Jesus this great teacher? Is he this moral person? You know, 
I don't know, could he have really been the son of God, like God in human form? Like you, you haven't kind of figured that out. You're still wrestling, you're still seeking, you're still trying to figure that out, and, and we think that's, that's fantastic, okay? And I encourage you to, to continue to do that. But, but let me just ask you to, to do something for a minute, okay? Let me just ask you to just, for a minute, that one part of your mind that's like, well, maybe, this is crazy, but maybe he was God in human flesh. Maybe Jesus actually was God down here on this earth died for us okay if you will just go with that for a minute put all the doubts put everything else out of your mind okay let's just let's just in our wildest imagination let's just let's just assume for a minute that jesus actually was god in human form down here on this earth okay think about that if that's true then instead of having to think well uh, you know god is up there somewhere in the heavens and you know I, I don't really know what god thinks or what god does or how god thinks about me or anything like that you know we're just kind of left to think well, god's powerful and creator and this sort of thing if jesus actually was god then we don't have to wonder what god thinks we don't have to worry wonder how god would act you see here is god extending himself in the most incredible way to a bunch of people who would betray, who would deny, and who would desert him. And here he is saying, I know you're going to do it, and I love you so much. I'm crazy about you. I don't care. I'm going to wash your feet. And you're not going to get it right now, but later on you're going to understand how much I love you because I already knew what you were going to do, and I washed your feet anyway. You already weren't worthy, but to me it's like they were twice as unworthy. I don't know if that makes sense, but... Um, I just think, what an amazing picture of God. Because for me, I realize that, man, I have time. I mean, I walk away from God all the time. I doubt God all the time. You know, I fail God in numerous ways. What a picture of God's love and his grace. If he would do that for these guys, I mean, these guys are a bunch of screw-ups, you know? Like, there's hope for me. What a picture of our God. And so, with that understanding in mind that picture of god in my mind verse 34 jesus continues speaking to his disciples this takes on new life for me this takes on new meaning jesus says to them verse 34 a new command i give you love one another as i have loved you so you must love one another now at first and, and maybe many of you have seen this and you're like, well, I don't really understand why this is a new command because wasn't this already commanded? I mean, wasn't it in the, in the Hebrew scriptures in the Old Testament? Wasn't that already laid out like you're supposed to love God and you're supposed to love your neighbor? So it's already in there, right? And then Jesus came along and he was saying the same thing in his ministry. So now it's the final night with his disciples and he throws this out again. And for a long time I'm like, well, how is this new? I mean... He's already said, this is, this is timeless. You know, love God, love each other. And he says, as a new command. Well, it makes sense to me now, I think, a little bit, kind of with this understanding of Jesus knowing. He says, it, the, the way it's new, at least the way I read it, is it's new in the sense, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. It's as if Jesus is saying, as I have loved you, even when I knew how you guys were going to treat me, even when I knew what you guys were going to do to me later on that night. And I have loved you, so that way you must love one another. If I'm given that kind of grace and love, 
when you don't deserve it to you, you've got to turn around and extend that to other people. That's radical. And then he says, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. By this, all men will know you're my disciples if you love one another. You know what's just so amazing to me about that verse? It, it doesn't say, by this, all men will know that you're my disciples. If you go on every street corner with like a big bullhorn and a huge old Bible, and you just say, Jesus Christ is the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. Is that how all men are going to know? Does that have a place that people need to hear? Is, I mean, certainly that, that, that works into the equation somehow, right? But, but that isn't truly the way people are going to recognize the church. That isn't truly the way the people are going to sense and be attracted to the kingdom of God on the move here on earth. And the kingdom of God here on earth, just in case you didn't know, is us, those who are following Jesus Christ. We are now his body on earth. He's gone. But we literally, kind of literally and figuratively, make up, all of us all around the world, make up the body of Christ. We represent the kingdom of God moving here on earth. And what Jesus is saying is, look, by this, if you will just love each other the way I've loved you, if you'll just do that, that's how the whole world is going to know that you're my disciples. That's how they're going to recognize the church. That's how people are going to be drawn in and attracted. I don't know about you, but, but I love this church. I love what's happening here. I love being able to come here and learn about God under the tutelage of a beautiful teacher over here. Right? I mean, I love that about this place. And I wish all my friends and neighbors and relatives and everyone could just come to that same understanding. You know, do you ever feel like, man, you hear a great sermon, you're thinking about your friend, you're thinking about a neighbor, you're thinking about, God, they could just hear this, it would just bless them, it would help them so much. Well, the way that I read this verse is that maybe the way that I've been trying to kind of like evangelize and trying to rope people in. And by the way, I'm like the biggest wuss when it comes to this. Like, you guys might think I walk around canvassing my neighborhood and like, you know, I'm Pastor Derek. Good to see you. You know, welcome. Come to my church. Like, I'm, I don't do that. I, I don't say a boo about it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm terrible at it. I don't, I, I'm good here. You guys are all here on your own volition, you know? You, you, you signed up for this, uh, hopefully. Except for maybe one or two of you. They got dragged here. But I, I don't do that. I, I don't do that stuff. And maybe you can relate to me. Something cool is going on here. You're getting a sense of the kingdom of God advancing. And you, you haven't quite figured out how to, how to share that and how to bring people in. You just want them to feel this love, but, but you don't know how to do that without them feeling judged and condemned. You know what? I, I get a read on this. The way that we're to do this, maybe I've been backwards the whole time. Maybe I just haven't focused enough time truly loving people the way Jesus loves us. And here's what I mean by that. I, what I don't mean is like, oh, well, yeah, Derek, I love my church. I love everyone at my church. That's not the kind, I mean, that's good. That's like good feeling love, you know. But that's not, that's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about here is truly being involved in each other's lives, truly loving each other, not just, hey, how you doing, but how are you? How's life? How's it going? You know, being involved, bearing each other's burdens. When we disagree, working it through, talking it out. 
meeting each other's needs, being there for each other, truly loving one another as a Christian community. If we could get that right, what Jesus is saying is if we could truly love and serve and have the spirit of not entitlement and like, you know, this high lofty thing up here, but the spirit of a servant hitting our knees and saying, how can I serve you? How can I help you? If we could get that right, you know what I think? I think the church would be so alive. The kingdom would be so palpable that we couldn't help but walk out of here and everyone would see and sense what was going on. People would be so drawn in. I think that's what Jesus is saying. By this, all men will know. If you just love each other in that way, I think this whole thing would, would, would explode and take off in a way that would just rock our world. Um, I, I have the uh, honor and privilege of, of welcoming now uh, a couple, Bill and Kitty. If you guys would come up, can you guys welcome them up to the stage? I guess we're not really on a stage, so. All right. I don't know who I want to give this to. <laughs> All right. Um, well, first of all, I do have to say, don't, don't get too, uh, too fond of looking at these two faces here, because Bill and Kitty, uh, it's actually their, their last Sunday, officially, at Grace. They'll be back to visit, they promised us. But um, they're going to be moving back down to, to Texas. And so we've had the privilege of, of just getting to know them um, for a little while here at Grace. And, um, you know, as I was putting this message together, um, I couldn't get them out of my mind. Out of my mind. <laughs> um, I, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, I, just, I just couldn't. As, as I was thinking about this, this, this way of, of, of really loving and serving each other, uh, they just kept coming into my mind. And so I wanted to bring them up, and I just wanted to, to have them share a couple of things. And so um, the first thing that, that I wanted to uh, just ask you guys is the very first Sunday that you were here, or at least the first time that we talked, Bill, uh, you asked me a question. You said, um, so, and this is, I've never been asked this question before, but you said, what are the needs here at this church? What are the needs? Um, we talked about that for a while. I'm curious, why did you ask that question? Well, it's not a, an easy uh, thing to, to answer, but if you don't know a little bit about us, we've had a, a chance to really live all over this, this country. Uh, I came to be a Christian like when I was in my 30s. And um, we've gone to lots of different churches. And so that's one of the things that the Lord has really blessed us with. So when you go into a church and, and you need to have a little bit of a discernment about what's going on in that church, and, um, and I think that's a, a neat question to to ask because then it immediately kind of tells you what the focus of uh, particularly the pastors and the, the people in the, the church are, mm. what they have, what is their focus. Mm. And in, in thinking about it, if you ask that question, a lot of times the answer will be like, uh, oh, we have all kinds of needs here. But I don't know if you remember how you answered that question that day, but... Uh, I think the first thing you said is that, well, we have a lot of lonely people here. And um, immediately this began to tell me that the focus was on the, the people uh, in the church and outside the church and the community and what was going on. And that was where the, the focus was. 
So there was a discernment immediately, and, and I could see that, well, it's on the people out there. Yeah, and I could, I could see the twinkle in your eye when I shared that, <laughs> not in the kind of a sick way, but there was this sense of this is exciting, and I think you might have even said something to that effect, because the sense that then I got from you was that you guys really saw church not just as a place to show up on Sunday mornings, but a place to serve. That's right. Okay. And yeah. you know, Kitty, you have the freedom to interrupt your husband. Oh, exactly. Yes. <laughs> Anytime you want, you just, you just jump on that mic. So, um, so, you know, you guys have gotten involved with, in several different ways at Grace, and, you know, community groups, you want to talk about, well, how the heck do I start loving people and, and doing this whole thing? We have, I don't know, close to 20 community groups that are meeting uh, all over the area on a weekly basis. And I encourage you, if you, if you th- this is such a cool, cool experience. And I just want to have you guys speak uh, just briefly to your experience in your community group, what that's been like for you. I'll say something. Okay. I think our community, is it, there we go. Okay. I think our community group has shown love to each one of us, uh, especially to Bill and I coming in a, as new people in the area and uh, loving us and letting us share in their lives. And what a blessing it is. Uh, each person that we've gotten to know a little better through the community group and through the ACTS experience has been a blessing to us. And just uh, I'd say one thing that, that one of our members expressed a couple of weeks ago was that they could come say things that were frustrating them, things that might not be popular, and still be loved. And I think that's what family expresses. And we have a Christian family, and what a joy. Sometimes it's better in your real family. And a <laughs> Christian family coming from the same place that we all know we love the Lord, and we can still love each other even more. And uh, what's just been amazing to me is, um, is how uh, just the way you guys are. You see, the thing about like people who are truly humble and, you know, just wanting to serve, it's hard to get them to like tout themselves, you know, and you get them up here and try to, you know, they just kind of downplay everything. But, but I will just say that one of the things that's been the biggest treat about you guys is, is that they have this way of coming around you where you just really feel like they care. Like they truly genuinely have an interest in you, not just to like say hello, but to truly be involved and, and find out what's going on in your life. And I tell you, the, the community group that you guys are involved in, it's been amazing because all of a sudden, you know, right. you can get in a Bible study and, and, like, people shared, you know, prayer requests for Aunt Betty, you know, and Uncle Joe, and, you know, my toe hurts. And, you know, that, that's important. You know, we got to pray for that stuff, okay? I, I'm, I probably belittled that a little bit too much. But, but you know, there, there's something that happens in, in genuine, authentic community when people are really get the sense that you care about them and you love them that you can start to really put yourself out there a little bit and talk about what really is on your mind, what you really are looking for prayer for, what your true fears are and your true hopes are and your true dreams are. And what's been amazing is how you guys have, uh, you know, I mean, you guys wouldn't say that you're the catalyst, but, but certainly something amazing has happened in that people seem to be, when they sense that love, you, got, you can't disagree or deny that, that people open up to you guys. Is that true? That's true. You know, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but I, I have to confess that there's a, a selfish part of this, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, the selfish part is is that if you go out and you get involved in these groups, and, and I kind of think about it this way, that 
there's people that have like a whole lot of knowledge about the scriptures and then there's some that don't have any knowledge at all and there's some that have just a tremendous amount of faith and there's some that don't have hardly any faith at all but that's just that's just where they are at that that point in time but as you get to to know them you see that inside of them that the Lord has given each person like a really special gift. And as you get to know them a little bit better, you start to understand what that, that gift is. And there are times where we've gone to our Bible study and uh, we've shared a lot and we've talked about it. And then a few days later, I'll be, be thinking about somebody and about what they said or what they did. And it's kind of like my pleasure at that point in time. I just can't help but smile or think about that person at that that point in time. And I go like, man, that is just a wonderful gift to me and that I'm really getting this and that's such a joy. And it's almost feel like, gosh, that's selfish to be that way. But they have, every person just has something special to, to share and if you take a little time to find out what that is, then it can be a great, great joy in your life. That's wonderful. Well, um, I want to thank you guys so much for, um, for just being willing to come up here and share and, and just for really embodying what I think Jesus was about when he was teaching his disciples to, uh, to have that spirit of, of love and of service. And uh, we're going to miss you guys a ton. So, yeah, can you guys join me and give these guys a hand? you guys would join me and bow your heads, we're going to close in prayer. Lord God, um, we thank you for what an incredible picture we get of you, our creator, our savior, that you would be willing to wash the feet of men who were going to betray you and deny you and desert you. What an amazing picture of your radical love and your grace to remind us of a truth that if we forget everything else in our lives, if we forget every, there's so much to think about, there's so many scriptures, there's so many teachings, but if we could just embody one attitude, one mindset, we thank you, God, for this powerful reminder that we believe stuck with those disciples that we are here to serve you by serving one another. God, help us to really love each other the way that you love us. Lord, what a powerful promise that, that by this, all men would know, all men would know that we are your followers. If we could just love each other the way that you love us. Help us, God, to really care for each other, to really bear each other's burdens, to really truly be involved and to, and to find out what the needs are and to pray for one another and to be there together, to do this journey together. Thank you for a powerful example through a couple that's just humbly trying to do your will. Lord, my prayer for this church is that every one of us would just take another step toward really 
loving and serving each other in a way that would make your church come alive, that would see this kingdom that's here on earth, your kingdom, God, would see it advance in a powerful way. We thank you for your example and that command that you give to us. Help us, God, now to be faithful to your teachings, to obey what you command us to do, and to go out and to love and to serve the way you've loved and served us. In Christ's name, amen.